Welcome, friends. You are listening to the podcast for First Christian Church in Fort Myers, Florida. To learn more, join us online at fccfm.org. It is a blessing to be able to share God's Word with you today. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. For those of you that are in the room, those of you that are joining us online and our friends listening this week on the radio, we're blessed to be able to walk through God's Word with you today. We're wrapping up this series. We've been walking through a brief overview of the book of James. James is packed with so much in those couple of chapters. And if you missed any of the messages, I encourage you to go to our website, fccfm.org, and you can check out the messages there. Just want to go over uh, the key takeaways that we've shared throughout this series before we dive in this morning. Week one, Pastor Gary, he kicked off the series with chapter one, and he talked about our attitude and posture when things don't go our way, and that a faith that works in difficult times will serve more. Pastor Matt covered the last couple of weeks. Week two, a faith that works actively invites people from the margins into the middle. Week three, a faith that works is one that has the freedom to speak, but the wisdom to remain silent. Still working on that? Anybody else? Week four, a faith that works transforms a broken world into a better world. And today, James 5. And we've reiterated this. James 5, like the four chapters before it, is trying to convey several different things. But the entire book of James, it's this call to spiritual maturity for us to grow in our faith. But the thing is, for that to be true, it calls us to choose what our source is. Is or maybe I should say who our source is because everything flows from that. As we talk about in our ABCs of Discipleship class, which is the discipleship pathway of our church, spiritual growth will happen sometimes because of our circumstances. It will happen sometimes because of changing seasons in our life, but most spiritual growth will happen with intentionality. We don't naturally gravitate towards spiritual growth, even though it's beneficial for us, like other things in our life that are beneficial for us. That's why as a church, we come back to what does the Bible say, and in the context when it was written, and now how do we navigate and apply that to our life today? Romans 15, four speaks to this, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So our big idea today, James chapter five, a faith that works, trust God in word and deed. In word and in deed, this is a theme that we see throughout God's word, just a couple of places here. Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 1 John 3, 18, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This call to do something with the information that we have, that's what actually brings transformation in our life. And we see this to be true even in the book of James where we're encouraged in this way, James 2, 17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Some of you may have heard that faith without works is dead. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So don't just talk about it or read about it, be about it, and do something about it. 
I remember a couple years ago when our staff went to a conference, one of the things one of the speakers had shared, and we've kind of talked through this, is that you could be somebody that's been a Christian for 20 years, or you can be a Christian for one year that's done it 20 years in a row, where there's no growth that's taken place. It's okay to talk about it, but there's no validity to our words unless we're willing to walk it out. A faith that works trusts God in word and deed. So in James chapter five, we we see this play out here, but we also see in the very beginning of the text, we see the result of it not being put into practice. We have much ground to cover. We're gonna walk through James chapter five this morning, beginning in verse number one. Now listen, you rich people. And all of you just said, not me. They ain't talking about me. Well, the truth is, the blessings that we have access to in our country, we may be considered this. But listen to the text. This is not a good conversation. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. And look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. This is a challenge for us too. A faith that works, trust God in word and deed with our resources and our relationships. Now, in what we just read here, we see an example of what happens when you let other things be Lord of your life. Obviously, we see here specifically talk about money or greed or wealth. When you let other things be Lord of your life, the end result is not good. It's not good for you. It's not good for other people that you care about. You see here that the relationships were impacted because of the way that they misused their wealth that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. Nothing in these six verses shows trusting God or honors God in word or deed. When it comes to our money, when it comes to our resources and our relationships, it all comes down to stewardship. How are we stewarding what God has blessed us with because everything on this side of eternity is temporary. How we steward our life is just as important with spiritual things as it is with natural things. And the truth is how we steward what God's blessed us with, whether it be our stuff, our money, our relationships actually points to and says what or who we put our trust in. We see this in spiritual things in regards in first Corinthians four, two, moreover, it is required and stewards that one be found faithful in referring to the things of God. And then in Luke 16, verses 10 and 11, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? But then we see like literally the exact opposite situation in regards to stewardship and relationships at the very end of James 5 in the last two verses, in verses 19 and 20. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, that person back, remember this, whoever turns the sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. 
Again, how we steward our relationships, how we steward our resources echoes where we put our trust. And as much as James is speaking to those that are missing it here in the text, this is also a call to us to be mindful of where we're putting our trust and do the things that God has blessed us with to steward and the relationships that God has blessed us with to steward. Does it reflect who we've put our trust in? Then we move on to the second third of the text here that we're walking through, beginning in verse number seven. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. And don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience, in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance, have seen what the Lord finally brought about. And the Lord is full of compassion and mercy above all. My brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. It's interesting in this text, too, because the last conversation didn't go well. The last conversation was kind of like when I was a child. You guys know me as Jimmy, but my full government name is Bobby James Akers III. And if I heard Bobby James Akers III in my house, I knew there was a chance I was about to meet Jesus because of something I did. <laughs> But the tone here in this passage of the chapter has completely changed. Brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. He says it over and over. He's trying to be an encouragement here for them to understand how critical this is. Because a faith that works, trust God in word and deed. Number two, by persevering with patience. Now, I agree with Pastor Matt, what he shared last week. He said that he stopped praying for patience. Because when you pray for things like patience, you get opportunities to experience that. But the truth is that sometimes we don't have a better option, right? The opposite of that is being impatient and giving up, and that's difficult. But here's the beauty of trusting God in word and deed. When you find yourself in a difficult situation or season where perseverance is the choice and patience seems to be hard to come by, you've got to put your trust in something bigger than your circumstances, but when you put your trust in Jesus, you realize that you don't have to do this thing we call life alone. It's a great thing to be a part of the body of Christ because you get to be a part of the body, but even better to know that God is with you. And I could read a thousand passages of scripture this morning to reiterate that Psalm 46, one, our God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble, ever present. He is present with us. Isaiah 41, 10. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now there's a story in Mark chapter four about Jesus' life with his disciples and almost the entire chapter in Mark chapter four tells us about Jesus preaching and he's throwing down all of these incredible parables and the crowd grows so large that we read here that Jesus actually had to literally be on a boat so he could come to the water's edge so everybody could hear him. And when we pick up in Mark 4.35, once evening had come, Jesus tells them, let's go to the other side. He said, we're done. 
I'm tired. Let's roll. Let's get going. Well, they did. They got going in the boats, but a crazy storm came upon them. And the thing you need to understand, again, context is really important here. The majority of the disciples are fishermen. They're not afraid of the water. They're not afraid of waves. They're really probably not concerned too much with storms, but clearly it got really bad because they are freaking out. They are losing their minds so much so they are looking for Jesus while he is napping in the bottom of the boat and they go to wake him up to say, don't you care that we're about to die? But then Jesus responds with this in Mark 4, 39. He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And I love this story. And I love this story as a child. And I have most of my life up until I really started to encounter some storms in my life because I've had seasons where I too have wondered, why is Jesus sleeping on me right now? Anybody else feel like that? Where is he at in the midst of this situation? And I love the fact that we have a God that's big enough to handle our struggles in those seasons. Sometimes I feel like David in the Psalms where one minute he's praising God. He's like, God, you are so good. God, you are so faithful. And literally the next sentence, he's like, God, where are you at? Why have you forsaken me? And there are two powerful truths in this story. But the truth is, as preachers, most of the time we stop at the first one. Yes, we see Jesus, the son of God, in a way that only he can, throwing things down. He preaches all day. He's woken up from a nap. I'm just amazed. He said, forget you guys for waking me up. You guys can go swimming. You know what I mean? He didn't respond like that. He steps out on the deck of the boat and he boldly tells the wind and the waves. There's no hesitation in him. He boldly tells the wind and the waves to stop and they listened. He said it and they listened. It's incredible, the power of Almighty God tangibly on display. And that's a lot of times where our messages stop about this passage. But the deeper truth is that Jesus was on the boat and he knew they weren't going to die. He started this out by saying, let's go to the other side. He knew there was going to be an other side. He knew he had to go to the cross. He knew this particular storm was not going to end their life. And I love this. I love seeing all-powerful, almighty God on display. Jesus calming the storm. But the truth is, even if he doesn't, the same almighty son of God is still on the boat. And you can go through the storms in your life differently. We can go through the storms in our life differently when we realize and recognize that the storm that we're facing is actually intimidated by the God that we serve. We can get so focused in desperation on trying to tell God about how big our storm is and why he's so silent in the middle of the situation and he's patiently waiting for us to tell our storm about our God. A faith that works, trust God in word and deed with our resources and relationship and by persevering with patience. James chapter five, 13 through 18. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. 
And I love this. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. He's equating this forgiveness. The significance of this is just as big, if not bigger than healing here, physical healing. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And then again he prayed. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. A faith that works. Trust God in word and deed. Number three. Through mountain moving prayer. I recently heard this story about a pastor in North Dakota. He walked out of his house to a massive Kmart sign on his lawn. This would be very frustrating for some of you. The best part is he has no idea why it's there or who put it there. People in his town are taking selfies and posting on Facebook. And now his not so unique yard has become really unique. And I heard a, I haven't heard the rest of the story. I don't know what's happened since then. If the Kmart sign is still there or not, I'm not sure. But a popular night show host shared that it's almost like the pastor was praying for a sign. And then God was like, okay, that's it. The reason I felt compelled to write mountain moving when I was preparing this message, mountain moving prayer. For one, Jesus told us to pray with that kind of confidence. In Matthew 17, 20, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And I love Ephesians 3.20, especially when I pray. It says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I like to throw in there, he is still able to do abundantly. But here's the thing about mountain moving prayer. Sometimes the mountain that needs to move is a thing that's in front of us. And sometimes the mountain that needs to move is us. To pray with that kind of confidence. That God, maybe this thing needs to move, but maybe I need to do something. What are you calling me to do? A faith that works, trust God in word and deed with our resources and relationships by persevering with patience and through mountain moving prayer. And for some of you, and I know this has been true for me too. Sometimes we try to change a spiritual situation with a natural solution. But prayer still changes things. And as we just talked about Mark chapter four, sometimes God calms the storm. But sometimes he doesn't. That's the thing. How do we reconcile our faith in those moments? Well, sometimes he doesn't because he rides it out with us. And sometimes prayer changes our situation, but it always changes us. Because when we pray, it's like we are coming back to our true north of who we are putting our trust in. So many times there are situations where people are navigating things. And in my flesh, I listen. Sometimes from a place of empathy or compassion, I feel hurt for them. I feel the weight that they're carrying, but I have to come back to remember that I serve the God that created everything and that I can't carry that weight just as much as they can't carry that weight. I've got to put it in his hands. And for some of you, you've been praying for a sign, but God is patiently waiting for you to surrender control 
into his hands of the situation. A faith that works trust God in word and deed. And our takeaway for today is this question that only you can answer. What do you need to let go of and trust God with? Because you were only made to do so much and to carry so much. What do you need to let go of and trust God with? Is it a failing or broken relationship? Is it a lost friend or loved one? A need for a job or stewarding your resources better? Finding purpose? Overcoming addiction? Forgiving someone? Forgiving yourself maybe? Restoration? Taking a step of faith? Maybe to finally surrender your life to Christ, get baptized, start following Jesus. And I even know there are many other things that aren't in that list, but in some of those things, there's this shame that comes attached to those sentences, but God's not the one that puts that on us. Satan does. And really trusting God comes down to this, simply letting him take the lead. Letting him take control. Trusting him with the outcome, even when the outcome is not what we thought we needed or wanted. And here's the truth, friends. There are some questions we're going to have that we're not going to get answered on this side of eternity. But that's part of us walking this thing out by faith. And many of you have walked into this place and you're carrying a weight that is crushing you. Some of you that are watching online, some of you that will be listening on your radio, driving down the road this morning, you're carrying a weight that God never intended for you to carry. And Jesus, he's just, he's waiting. And this invitation that he offers to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. It's hard to rest when you're holding on to it. And we want to receive all that God has for us, even those of you that may be in this room or those of you that are listening online, maybe you haven't put your trust in Christ yet and you're still trying to figure this whole Jesus thing out. We all want what's best for our life. Well, the truth is, is God's best is what's best for our life, but it is really difficult to embrace what all of that is, whatever it is, while you're still holding on to the other things that you need to trust him with. Friends, you are loved, you are valued, God has an incredible plan for your life and the heartbeat in your chest and the lungs that are just filtering air in your bodies right now is proof that God is not finished with your story. But the truth is, the journey that you're navigating, some of you need him to take control. Think about the story of Jesus and the storm. If anybody should have an internal GPS, it's him, right? He... he he, he probably knew that the storm, he did know that the storm was coming. What was the point of all of that? Again, I, I think it wasn't just for them to see him move in might and power and calm the storm. I really think there's a deeper truth for us to recognize that he was sleeping during the storm because he wasn't intimidated by it. And the fact that he's there, a faith that works, trust God in word and deed in whatever need you may have. Whatever need that you need to let go of and put into his hands today, Jesus is ready when you are. He is patiently waiting for you to trust him with the weight. Give it to him and trust him to take the lead over your life. Let's pray this morning.
God, you are better at being God than we are. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for the reminders in your word, Lord God, that whether it be our resources, our relationships, or maybe a season of waiting or season of trials that we need to push and persevere through, God, to try to desperately try to find some patience along the way in the process. And God, with all of those things, Lord God, that we can come to you with prayer prayer and confidence, Lord God, that we're not just talking to the ceiling, but you hear our hearts. And God, you know the end of the story. You know the plan. You know the path when we don't. That we can trust you with that in word and in deed. And I pray for my brothers and sisters that are in this room today. I pray for those that are watching online, those that are listening on the radio that will be listening this next week, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord. God, that whatever those things are that you never intended for them to carry, that they would trust you with those things. And not just from a place of conversation of talking about it, but in word and deed, that they will surrender control of those things into your hands, God, because you're God and we're not. And sometimes you calm the storm and sometimes you ride it out with us and sometimes you change our situation. But God, if we will trust you, you will always change us. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. If we can pray for you or encourage you in any capacity, please let us know at FCCFM.org.